Welcome to Executive Leaders Radio. In this hour, you'll hear directly from our region's finest business leaders. Through each of the interviews, these high-achieving leaders become relatable role models who share how they were able to build their enterprise, their personal secrets of success, about leadership styles and opportunities that lie ahead. Prepare to be inspired and entertained and to hear wisdom unheard elsewhere. Executive Leaders Radio. You're listening to Executive Leaders Radio, broadcast from the Arlington Chamber of Commerce. This is your host, Herb Cohen, with my co-host, John Yetman, Association for Enterprise Growth, and Mike Ross now, Arlington Chamber of Commerce. And our guests will also be serving as co-hosts as well, including Lucinda Crabtree, Crabtree & Company, Breckar Hertzbach & Company, and Ann Kepke from Redgrave. Uh, the order of our guests include Lucinda Crabtree, owner of Crabtree & Company first, Raul Jindal, founder and CEO of FedSync second, Brett Carr, partner of Hertzbach & Company third, and finally David Shanka, partner at Redgrave LLP, uh, will be our fourth guest. Let's get to know our first guest, Lucinda Crabtree, owner of Crabtree & Company. Lucinda, what is Crabtree & Company? What are you guys doing? We're a marketing communications firm specializing oh. in science and education. Oh, interesting. And wh where'd you grow up? I grew up right here in Arlington, Virginia. Uh-huh. And uh, how many brothers and sisters? Well, I'm an only child, mm -hmm. but I have uh, two stepsisters and uh, a half-brother and sister. Uh-huh. How come you have stepsisters and half and so on and so forth? My parents were divorced when I was two. Uh-huh. They were divorced when you were two. Okay. Now, you're running a marketing-related firm. How young were you when this marketing began to show up in your blood? Ooh, probably birth. What are you talking about? Well, my, um, it's in my blood. I uh, have very deep relationships with uh, my family mm -hmm. and um, friends and community. And I, thought I thought marketing was selling something. You're defining it as something different, I think, aren't you? Yes, I am. What are you defining it as? Well, I'm defining it as um, reaching so out and letting people know what you have to offer. So you were doing that as a kid. How young were you when you started making money? I think uh, maybe my first experience was collecting Coke bottles for deposits when I was six or seven. Uh-huh. And why were you doing that? Uh, just to help my mom out. She uh -huh. was Brett? Uh, no, I'm uh, sorry. What did you do with the money? Well, I, uh, I gave it to my mother, who's a single parent and had many, many jobs. Why would you give it to your mother? Just to make things easier for her. Well, wait a minute. So you're six or seven years old. You made some money, and as opposed to buying yourself something, you gave the money to your mother. But it wasn't a lot of money. But why would you do it? Well, she had three or four jobs um, on the side. She had a full-time job. You've got this empathetic thing going on, don't you? Maybe a little bit. Yeah, how, like, uh, how's that affected your business relationships, the fact that you have this empathy thing going on since they was showing up as a kid, six, seven years old, giving your mother your money? Yeah, I proudly carry that on to my business. I've been in business for 35 years and uh, have employees who've been there 20, 25 years. Uh, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Lucinda, why did you start your own business? Oh, I was uh, let go from a position uh, at age 26, mm -hmm. and I needed a job. Mm -hmm. Where did the confidence come from for you to start your own business? Well, I think my mother helped a lot with that. How? How'd she help with that? She always encouraged me to work, and she always encouraged me to be of service. What are you talking about, of service? Well, I, my jobs weren't always paying jobs. They were volunteering at day camps or schools or the hospital. So what did you learn from volunteering at those day camps and hospitals? Did it anything to do about business that helped you in business? Well, I learned a lot about people and a lot about relationships and a lot about uh, how to help, help I people. I thought the reason you went into business was to make a lot of money. It sounds to me like you're like of service. It's all about relationships. Well, don't get you. me wrong. I like to make money. Yeah. But I think I prefer to to be of service and and to help other people make money as well. Huh, interesting. Michael, what are you thinking? So you'd mentioned your mom had a bunch of uh, part-time jobs. Um, did you have a relationship with your biological father then? Absolutely. Very strong. I was always encouraged by my mother. Encouraged by your mother. That's interesting. Um, how does that affect your business now? Well, I, I uh, relationship's probably the number one uh, asset for our firm. Uh, we have long-term relationships with vendors and clients and employees, which makes it a very 
congenial place to work. So you're kind of the, uh, the glue that holds everything together, I'd say. Yes. Lucinda, how have your past experiences affected your view of the future? Um, I'm overwhelmingly optimistic about the future. I, I work with a lot of young people, and um, I just can't tell you how fascinating it is to watch them, especially in entrepreneurial roles. I try to be a role model anytime I can. And Weren't you mentioning that you were involved with robotics or something like that? Yes, I, I am a international judge for FIRST Robotics, have been for 20 years. Uh-huh. And I've why, why do you do that? Well, I love it. Uh, it what do you love about it? I love it because um, I like get to be around. like robots or something? I, get, I don't like robots all yeah. that much. What is it? But I like kids. <laughs> yeah. And I love What do you see in these kids playing with these robots? What do you see in there? I see their spirit and uh, their desire to learn and their desire to do something different with the world. Why is that so important to you? Well, the future is important to me. I have grandchildren, and mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and I, I see it as uh, my job now to, to give back every bit of wisdom that I've learned over the years. Hmm. Well, going back to your childhood, it, it, it doesn't sound like you were missing a lot. Am I mistaken? No, I, di- I wasn't missing anything. I had a wonderful childhood. But you're, you know, you're, you're well. Even though mom and dad were separated, you had stepbrothers and step and halves. That could be really disruptive, though, couldn't it? You know, you can be defined by the good things that happen to you, but you can also be defined by the bad things. I just choose to be defined by what I uh, experienced, which was a lot of love and support. Where'd that wisdom come from? How'd you get to that point? Uh, I made a lot of mistakes. Uh huh. And you, but you, and who, who, like, who were the, who were your major influences as a kid? My parents uh, were the most influential on me. My parents, my grandparents. I had, um, I had a lot of uh, time with them. Which, which grandparent had the greatest influence on you? My grandmother. Like what? What was the influence? What did she do? Oh, she was a feisty woman from West Virginia, and. She uh, also very entrepreneurial. She sold antiques door to door. Not a shy woman. How, how, uh, did you ever did you ever sell antiques with her? I sold antiques with my mom, not my granny. Uh huh. So you used to hang out with your grandmother. Yes, I did. What would you, what would she talk to you about? What would your grandmother talk with you about? Oh, she talked to me about being good, um, and and being faithful, and. Well, you know, but the thing about business is business, I read the newspapers, you know, business is blood and guts and people suing people and stuff like that. But you're telling me that your grandmother was talking to you about good and you brought that into business? I absolutely have. I've never been sued in 35 years. Uh, I think you can always work things out if you take the high road and you're honest. That goes back to uh, the fact that your mom encouraged your relationship with your dad, even though they were divorced. And, um, you know, you can always work things out. So you're all about the relationships. You're t- it's po- seeing the positive as opposed to the negative, like you see in your childhood. That's right. I, that's let me, right. Well, let me ask you a question. When you, w- with your teammates, you know, you have, you have employees. W- do you get to know them personally? I know them in depth. Uh, but, um, do you ever act like as a brother or a sister or a mother or a buddy to them? Perhaps counsel a safe place to uh, come with problems and joys. Do you get paid extra for that, or why do you bother doing that? Doesn't that take up your time? I get paid in loyalty. Huh? Give me that again. Loyalty. Hmm. Why is that so important in business? Well, consistency is uh, important to be able to provide a product. We provide a... How is that loyalty that you that you gain through the course of time with your team, how does that benefit your, empl- your, uh, your uh, clients? Well, we have an intellectual property and um, that we... And serve our clients with, and happy clients come from happy employees. Oh, I see. So one of the reasons that you do, that you spend the time developing the loyalty is it's good for business. Do you do it for other reasons as well? Does it feed you personally? Probably. Uh, what do you mean? Well, I, you know, I, I don't want to see them go through a divorce. Uh-huh. So you're, do you really talk to your people about I can understand why you're of counsel is because... You know, you tend to be able to uh, see the big picture and work through things, don't you? That's one of the reasons you haven't been through litigation in 35 years. That's amazing, mm. you know. What, what's the best part of your day? 
at going into the office, saying hello to everybody, sort of checking in, how things go last night. That's, but my favorite part is really meeting new people and bringing in work, hmm. bringing in new business, finding it. You like bringing in new business, and you know, so, you look, so you enjoy the sales and the marketing aspect of your own business. I do. Uh huh. But you also enjoy, you know, really hanging out with the teammates and talking to the folks. Do you ever just get together and hang out with the teammates? Yes, someone's coming over Friday night. Wait a minute. You're telling me that you have folks from the office coming to your home? Uh, of course. Well, well, why would you do that? <laughs> it's just good business. Huh? You just good relationships. Is good business. Just developing those relationships constantly. That's what you're constantly doing. Huh. That's interesting. Wait, what's the website address of this organization known as Crabtree and Company? CrabtreeCompany.com. CrabtreeCompany.com. And how long have you been in business? 35 years. Do you ever think you're going to retire? I'm in my last chapters. Uh, but you're really enjoying what you're doing, aren't you? I love it. We've been speaking with Lucinda Crabtree, owner of Crabtree & Company, here on Executive Leaders Radio. Don't forget to visit our website. It's executiveleadersradio.com. Learn more about our executive leaders. We'll be back in a moment right after this break. And your name and organization is? Hi, Herb. My name is Ann Kepke. I'm with Redgrave LLP. Mm-hmm. And what, is, what does Redgrave do and what do you do for Redgrave? Redgrave is a firm uh, located in Chantilly. We have offices nationwide. We focus on e-discovery, information governance, privacy, and data security issues. And what I do as the marketing manager at Redgrave is marketing communications, public relations. What that encompasses is managing the website, social media accounts, um, mm-hmm. uh, organizing webinars for our attorneys. So this is a law firm that's got a variety of specialties, and you're the marketing manager for the firm. I understand you had a prior career. What was that prior career for 10 years? Yes, I was a public school teacher. What grade were you teaching? I was a first grade teacher. For how many years? For almost 10 years. Uh-huh. What, what, was, what, what made you successful as a, as a first grade teacher for 10 years? What made you successful there? I believe it was my ability to connect with people, um, establishing trust and relationships both with the children, with my colleagues, and with the parents. And so those you, wait, 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 hold on. Hold on. So you thought that the key to your being a successful first grade teacher was developing trust, was developing the relationships with your students, with the other teachers, the administration, and the parents. What's that have to do with being a successful marketing manager with this organization known as Redgrave? Sure. In education, the children may or may not learn from you if they do not trust you. They mm-hmm. need to feel safe with you. Mm-hmm. And so subsequently, in marketing position, um, in order for you to have... Um, in order for you to develop new clients, let alone develop the trust of the attorney, they, they got to trust, trust you. you. Yes. And, and, and so your middle name is Developing Trust. Oh, by the way, you know something about marketing, but it's about relationships. What's the website address of this organization, Redgrave? RedgraveLLP.com. Let me have that one more time. RedgraveLLP.com. We've been we're speaking with Ann Kepke from Redgrave LLP here on Executive Leaders Radio. And your name is? Jeff Lawson. And Jeff, what organization are you with? I'm with Lakota Hotels and Resorts. And wh- what do you guys do? What kind of stuff are you doing that's special? Well, we manage uh, conference centers and hotels, and we're currently managing the National Conference Center in Leesburg, Virginia. National Conference Center. How large or how small is this organization? Um, The conference center itself is 900 rooms in size, 350,000 square feet of meeting space, dining facilities for 850, uh, exercise facility all set on 61 acres of land. Wow, this is a large organization, isn't it? It is, very large. Uh-huh. And what's your role in the organization? I'm the general manager, and I have oversight of the uh, property and all the hospitality services that occur. Well, w- what's the general manager supposed to do with this large facility? Make sure, I have a, make sure eight executive committee members and a, and a full uh, staff of 210 do their daily jobs. So how many folks do you have running through your halls on a weekly basis or daily basis or annual basis? What's that look like? Well, on a weekly basis, on a full house, we'll have uh, 900 per night, um, seven nights, uh, 6,300, which translates to about 20,000 meals a week. Wow. And uh, your job, are you working nine to five or do you end up having to work evenings and early mornings and weekends and stuff like that? No, I'd say I'm always on duty. Uh-huh. Do you, wh- what do you enjoy about your job? Meeting people, working with some of the finest hospitality people in Virginia, which is my team, and meeting our clients because they're wonderful. So you're helping your clients plan their events? Well, we help plan. Uh, they are there for some form of education that goes on at one end of our business. And at the other end of our business, they're there for social catering events, uh, weddings and such. So you're, you're, well, you're running a 24 by 7 facility, aren't you? We are. Uh-huh. What's the website address of this organization? Conferencecenter.com. Let me have that again. 
conferencecenter.com. And your name again is? Jeff Lawson. And the name of the organization? Lakota Hotels and Resorts. And this has been your Business Spotlight. We're back. You're listening to Executive Leaders Radio. This is your host, Herb Cohen. We'd like to introduce Rahul Jindal, founder and CEO of FedSync. Rahul, Rahul, what is FedSync? What are you guys doing? FedSync is a federal IT government contractor. Uh-huh. What kind of stuff do you do? We provide federal agencies with mission support relating to providing best persons, technology, and processes so they can do and get the wherewithal they need to succeed. Mm-hmm. And uh, where are you from originally? New Delhi, India. And how young were you when you came to the United States? Nine years old. And did you come with your family? Did you come alone? Or what was the story? Family, uh, mom, dad, brother, twin brother, uh-huh. uh, and a one-year older sister. Uh, the twin brother, identical or fraternal? Identical. Uh-huh. And uh, so you came to, you settled in the Vienna, Virginia area from uh, from India. Yes, sir. And I'm trying to figure out, when you, when you well, in India, you speak English and they drink water there. I mean, what... It must have been a pretty easy adjustment moving to uh, Vienna, Virginia when you're nine years old. Uh, not completely true, but uh, we do speak English over there. I just didn't have a good grasp of it. Um, we went to English-speaking schools, but at that age, I think I was just play-focused and didn't have a good grasp of it. So when we came here, we had some... Uh, what, were this, what were the top couple, two or three challenges when you came to the States? Certainly speaking English, uh, building that relationship with people around us. Uh, also, dress code was different, I suppose. Uh, you know, Our parents dressed us in... Indian clothing and also clothing that they thought that was uh, complementary to us, but it was probably not the best suited clothing for our age-appropriate people at that time. Uh-huh. How'd that make you feel? Felt like an outsider. Felt like, you know, I was not fitting in. It, it took time to get adjusted to it. took time to get um, adjusted to the English, uh, learn it, um, an so, example. Uh-huh. So where was the safety? Safety for? Safety when you moved over here. Uh, the safety was within the family. Uh, you know, you have mom, dad. You have uh, brother, sister. You you know, you have your whole knit, close knit family. How's that affecting your business? The building of your business nowadays. Well, we're a close knit business. Uh, we stay. Is that connected. true? Are you making that up, or did I put those words in no. your mouth? <laughs> Not completely uh, out of the ballpark. Uh, I stay connected with all my employees. Uh, very slow to hire, and uh, quick to fire. That is a policy that we've adopted from the beginning. And where'd that come from in your childhood? Uh, my parents, uh, they were entrepreneurs from day one. Uh, they've been uh, in business since uh, the time they moved to the country. Mm-hmm. But the, but this, this close-knit stuff was because you knew you really could depend on some core people and you're bringing that into your business. Brett, what question did you have there? Uh, did you play any sports? I did, actually. I played basketball and I did weightlifting in, in my uh, young age. What positions did you play in? Uh, well, as a basketball, I was never too good at making the cut in the team. I just played the position of being a, a sort of a shooter from a three-point line, and I always liked to go and shoot from the long ball. Didn't Wait, what's that have to do with your business career, shooting from the long ball? Well, uh, I started the business just because I felt like, you know, I could take on the big boys and win, and I didn't really have to have an in. I didn't have to be the guy who came from the industry. I didn't have to have the high education. I don't have an MBA. I do ah, have an So this guts and courage came from, I mean, it was showing up in basketball. It it's came, yep. It came from just uh, from family taking uh, entrepreneurial uh-huh. experiences, uh-huh. and then me and being going what out do you and doing business. And what are you thinking? Have you ever wanted to quit anything in your professional career? You know, I probably when I started the business, I probably wanted to quit a few years into it, and the only f- reason for that was because there were starting to be some offers coming in from the government side uh, on our client end that started to say, "Hey, we could just in-house you." And, you know, there was not a lot of traction in the business. It takes time for business to get going, you know, three, four years. And it, it was literally about that time. And right about that time, we got our first prime contract. And mm-hmm. uh, there was no looking back thereafter. Michael? You mentioned that your parents were entrepreneurial. What did mom and dad do? Uh, mom and da- dad uh, have been in business. So we came to the States to do uh, import-export. My dad had a business with where we imported garments and various other jewelry items. Uh, we sold them at Sam's Club. We sold them at Costco. I no Costco right down the street where I used to live and we used to set up shop and just be selling to people you know I don't think they even do that at Costco anymore uh, we also did uh, how do all that stuff influence you this import export business where you're selling stuff at Costco and so on? you know we we did a lot of hard labor and we did a lot of um, uh, selling so we used to walk the streets in DC we used to walk the streets in Arlington we, we had long big warehouses where we were emptying 40-foot containers just the family my brother myself my dad my mom, my sister, we were we were working hard, long hours, lifting boxes that were probably about our weight. But we just got used to it. It was just, you know, and the mentality was this is what you do. So when you have a night, uh, tight night, sorry, a nice tight family, uh, it's just when you stay engaged within that uh, work environment, there's no questions of what you have to do or what you don't have to do. You just your parents task you and you do it. Well, it's never about the money. Lucinda, for us. what do you attribute your motivation to? 
uh, attribute that to um, just my folks, uh, you know, just working hard and seeing them day in, day out, uh, you know, just coming to the country to give us the opportunity to succeed. You know, they made they moved here to give us the opportunity to succeed. Rahul, how, how high is up? At this point, you know, I'm starting to look back and say, okay, you know, what were my reasons for starting the business and have I attained wait, 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 wait. those? How, how old are you? I'm 33. You're, thir- you're looking back. <laughs> but, but, but how much is enough? Um, you know, I've got a timeline of about another seven more years before I start to switch uh, my industry and my experience. I've got two more years and, and where wait, I start so to you're give back. you telling me at 40? Wait, 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 wait. Give me that again. Yeah, that's that's pretty much my cutoff, 40. Um, where wait, wait, cut off for what? So I've got I've already started a nonprofit where I'm starting to focus in, and that's my goal to sort of get away from being engaged in this business. Wait a minute, wait a minute. I thought that the entrepreneur was selfish and it's a matter of, you know, buy the nicest car, buy the nicest, biggest house. What are you talking about giving back? I don't disagree with you. Those are selfish reasons to start, and I did start with those reasons too. But now now having enough money and having enough success, I think there's there's a point where you say, okay, you know, what can I do to make this, be- you know, make make it better? Because you don't know when you're here till, so you just want to be able to give back. So G- give me that. You don't know when you're here till what? what do you, give me that. I mean, we, I think we see it every day around the world that, you know, your time is up. Your time could be up. You know, I'm not, I don't want to be morbid or anything, but uh, this essentially <laughs> there is, is a limit. So there is a limit. You know, you want to give back while you have the opportunity. So just try to get engaged. I think in those you wanted endeavors. to keep acquiring, but you're talking about giving back. John? Roll, how has being an immigrant affected you? Well, it's it's helped me get the understanding that there's the you know U.S. has a very good good potential for people coming in. You know, th- there's no upper limit. We are from a country where there's a lot of bureaucracy. There's a lot of corruption. So you know, when a c- person like us from a different country comes to the U.S., they see a lot of opportunity to grow without any sort of holdback. You know, if one person says no, you go to the next. There's no reason for failure. It's just keep trying, and you'll you'll see the you'll see the success that you want to get. Are you married or single? I am married, and I have a seven-month-old daughter. Uh huh. At home, who wears the pants in the family? I would rather not say, but my <laughs> wife does wear <laughs> pants to work too. So. Uh huh. So, um, what's the similarity between growing a business and being a dad? Oh my God! You start nurturing big time. Um, I've what are you talking about nurturing? I can understand how you're nurturing at home. You're doing that at business. Yes, certainly. I think uh, we have to do that. You Wait know, a minute! You're only 33 years old. What are you talking about? Uh, so my my employees have to feel like you know I'm here to protect them, and they know this be, you know about me very well that I, I stand behind them. If, uh, if no you know nobody points fingers at my employees unless I understand what's wrong and I stand behind them and I, I give them the backup they need to make sure that wow you don't read that in the newspapers you really feel like you got your your team's back huh Just yeah like I have to because they we work in a sometimes a cutthroat environment with the industry that we're in and sometimes we get bad counterparts on our government side and not pointing any fingers but just it's just what it is it's you know so you have to sort of back our employees and try to get to the roots and deep uh, of what the challenges are to make sure that they feel comfortable uh, in doing their job day to day and that somebody has them and I certainly look at them and say that they're family so I go out of the way to make sure that the benefits that we provide protect not just them but their families huh so you really feel like you're like a father at home and you're like a father at work I hope I'm not a father to them just a mentor uh, uh-huh. because I I'm have your parents been to your business are my father's parents probably no, have your parents been to the business of course yeah they're well how aware do they of th- it. how do they think they feel when they walk in the door you know my dad has recently mentioned that you know he's proud of me and uh, he mentioned that you why know, um i think he's just seen that you know there's a recognition that comes you know inc 5000 recognized this couple of times mm-hmm. and inc what's a website address to this organization called fedsync fedsync.net f-e-d-s-y-n-c.net and this is uh, herb cohen we'll be back in a moment right after this break Want help building your business with help from this show's CEOs? Our CEOs can help you uncover more opportunities, grow your sales, connect you, help you raise money, all the big issues, because our CEOs have been there and done that. They've succeeded in creating millions of jobs and earning millions of dollars, and some are available to advise you. Now, email mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. That's mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. The same CEOs you've heard on the show for 10 years may be willing to help you build your business, uncover new opportunities, grow your sales, connect you, help you raise money, all the big issues, because our CEOs have been there and done that, succeeding in creating millions of jobs and earning millions of dollars, and some are available to advise you. Now, email mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. That's mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. 
And your name is? Kirsten Holmes. And Kirsten, what organization are you with? Keepers Staffing. And what does Keepers Staffing do? So we are a staffing agency um, providing talent acquisition. What's what's that mean? What are you talking about? Um, for our clients, uh, we yeah. fill positions for them um, or provide temporary assistance. So you're helping businesses get people. We are. Uh huh. How do you know what a business needs? That goes with meeting our clients. Um, we believe in face-to-face uh, meetings, conversations, so really digging so you, deep. So you're meeting with your clients? Yep, I am. And when you're talking with them, do they always know what they need? No. <laughs> so don't. you're helping them define what they need? Yes. And sometimes is what they need, uh, what they think they need a little different than what you think they need? Yes. Do you tell them that? <laughs> I do. Uh-huh. Actually, I do. And so you want to make sure you're clear before you get a job order. Yes, uh-huh. absolutely. And uh, then what do you do? Well, uh, we create that business relationship um, with them. We're really matchmakers, if you will, mm-hmm. um, trying to find them the talent that they're looking for to make their lives easier. Mm-hmm. So then you're going through databases and making calls and doing all that. Kind of, or actually, it's your people that are doing that, right? Yeah, my team. Yep. So what's your role in the business? I am the manager of the branch in Alexandria. So let's see. So you're meeting with clients and you're also helping the recruiters recruit. Yep, I do that as well. So you've got a clever side to you. You know all the tricks of the trade. (laughs) I guess you can say Uh, that. What's the best part of your job? Um, Really, the people. Um, I love my team. Um, Being a leader is very important to me. What's the best part about being a leader? What do you like about leading? Um, I really like being that uh, motivator. Um, you know, for my team and for our, our associates, which is our mm-hmm. staff. Well, that's interesting. So you're not yelling and screaming at people, huh? No. What's the website address of this organization? It's keepersstaffing.com. Let me have that one more time. Keepersstaffing.com. And your name is? Kirsten Holmes. And this has been your business spotlight. And your name is? Ray Briscuso. And Ray, what organization are you with? Life Sciences Conference Group. And what is Life Sciences Conference Group? What do you folks do? We produce annual conferences and events for medical technology, life science, pharmaceutical companies. Uh huh. So if I go to an event, you're the folks that are working behind the scenes to make it happen? That's correct. We're the ones that make sure the food's on the table, the seats are there, soundstage and lights are there, your registration process works. And, and what kind of events are these? Are these just in the life science industry? Strictly in the life science industry. Why why do you focus on the life science industry? Uh, We found that the best way to produce a high-quality event is to really know your customer. So we don't believe in numbers. It's names. We get to know each company. We find out what their actual mission and goals are, and we find the best way to deliver the value to them. And are you doing this nationally or regionally? We do it nationally. We continue to look for international opportunities, but it's primarily here in North America. And how old is this company? Uh, the company has just finished its 10th year. And how long have you been with the company? I founded the company 10 years ago. What gave you the idea to start this company? I used to work for a big corporation, and I produced the annual event for us. And when I decided to leave, they said, thank you for giving us $150 million worth of a business, and we'll see you later. And mm-hmm. next time I decided I would keep some ownership and do it myself. Ah, so you've been, building, you've been building this ever since. What do you like about your job? I like how different it is because we mix policy, we mix business. I might be putting one CEO together with a politician. I might be putting another CEO together with an investor. Mm-hmm. And I might be putting the next person together with their next employee. How interesting. Well, what's the website address for this organization? Medtechconference.org. Let me have that one more time. Medtechconference.org. Org. And the name of the organization again is? Well, Life Sciences Conference Group. Life Sciences Conference Group. And your name is? Ray Briscuso. Ray Briscuso. We've been talking to Ray Briscuso, CEO and managing partner of Life Sciences Conference Group here on Executive Leaders Radio. This has been your business spotlight. We're back. You're listening to Executive Leaders Radio. This is your host, Herb Cohen. We'd like to introduce Brett Carr, who's a partner at Hertz Backing Company. Brett, what is Hertz Backing Company? What are you guys doing? In a nutshell, we're a public accounting firm that does a business advisory, litigation support, business valuation, and cybersecurity mm-hmm. advisory. How large or how small is the firm? Uh, we have around 200 people. And where are you from originally? Parkersburg, West Virginia. How many brothers and sisters? I have an older brother. And what was it like growing up where you grew up with an older brother? Ah, in West Virginia, I think that it was it was a very stifling environment mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. Su- success wasn't necessarily encouraged. Mm-hmm. Success wasn't necessarily encouraged. What do you mean by that? What are you talking about? Well, it, it, the more that you succeeded, the less you were supposed to talk about it. And mm-hmm. if you talked about your success, then you were bragging. And uh-huh. so you what were was just that? constantly pushed down. Oh, I see. What happened with uh, singing when you were uh, when you were a kid with your uh, with the teacher? 
what happened? Well, I mean, at first at, at home, I, I sang so mm-hmm. much mm-hmm. Uh, that it was like a revolving door of getting mm-hmm. made fun of yeah. with my family. But mm-hmm. then in fourth grade, mm-hmm. uh, my teacher asked me if uh, mm-hmm. I wanted to try out for the choir, and I told her no. Why? And, uh, because I was scared of failing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And she just said, well, what if I don't make you try out? Will you do it? And mm-hmm. I immediately said yes. So because it was a negative environment, you didn't feel a lot of support. In fact, you felt that, you know, it was a negative environment. You, you didn't have a lot of confidence. Fortunately, your teacher supported you there. But you told me that the effect of this was when you were a kid, you, you just wanted to make things better. You wanted to change things. What are you talking about there? I've just always, I've always wanted to go to the next thing. I've always wanted to take something in my environment and make it better. There was a high school talent show I thought was lacking in humor. I just inserted myself. I wanted to make it better. I kept putting myself out there more and more. And uh, I started succeeding and... Uh-huh. Regardless of so my you had, environment, you have this thing about innovation in your blood, and I, I and it's interesting. You're an accountant. I'm wondering the benefit to your client of your innovation, of your creativity. I think my clients they they really uh, they appreciate what yeah, they appreciate they, appre- the they appreciate the innovation that I bring, and the, as much as I push them when mm-hmm. you know the accounting world started going more paperless, mm-hmm. I was pushing our firm to go paperless, uh-huh. and I've been pushing my you're clients to looking go that ahead, way. Uh, Michael. So being from a kind of a stifling environment, what was high school like? What was you know, what was your way out of West Virginia? Was it through sports or was it through something else? It was always through, actually it was through my best friend. He guilted me into going to college and I kept telling him no and then he said he'd room with me. And what happened? And then I went to college and... That opened the door. Yeah. Uh-huh. Interesting. Rahul? What was your role in the marching band? I was a tuba player, and I think that, I mean, there were 20 tuba players in college, and I think my, my role was to make them realize that it wasn't that serious, that it should be fun. What are you talking about? What do you mean? Well, I'd, a, lot of, a lot of guys took it a little too seriously. Mm-hmm. They had a hierarchy, and it's like, no, we're just tuba players. Well, what's that have to do with your role in the, law, in the accounting firm? I, I try to keep it the same way, especially at work, that it's not, there's no ivory tower. It's all just, we're all just people. Mm-hmm. So I try to keep it loose and that mm-hmm. they can come to me for anything. Interesting. Uh, they can come to you for anything. Interesting. Lucinda. I'm picking up your very competitive, no, not competitive, but have really strong will. How does that play out in your business role? I don't like being told that I can't do things. So if I believe strongly in something, I will do it. I mean, if it, I, mean, I back down. Don't get me wrong, but I hate being told I can't you're do things. You're persistent and you got courage and you're comfortable being in your own skin and telling people what you think. That's the nicest way I've ever heard that put. Mm-hmm. John? Right. In light of your past experiences, how do you view the future? I see the future as complicated. I see it as digital. Um, I don't see it going as it did 50 years ago. It's it's just, it's all going virtual. Mm-hmm. Are you optimistic? Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say I'm optimistic or pessimistic. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm actually excited by what's coming because well, I don't know because 100%. Because you've got innovation in your blood. So you're, you're like the kind of guy that's always on top of the newest thing, always looking ahead. So it sounds to me like the effect on the team is you're bringing vision to the team and you're also bringing a very positive outlook. You're a team builder, naturally. I, I, that's, again, a nice way of putting it. I think I'm a disruptor as well. I like to disrupt the status quo and try to make people think you know, outside of what they normally do. So do you have to, do you ever sit with your clients and talk about their businesses? Absolutely. So, so you're not really just talking to them about the numbers. You're talking to them about their businesses. So you're helping them see other possibilities that they can do with their businesses. Correct. It's mostly aimed towards the digital. When I see them doing something I think is really inefficient, I'm going to bring it up regardless of if it has to do with accounting. Like, so you're telling me if, if there's something they should be doing online or some way that they can create more efficient processes, you like bringing that stuff up so you can help bring efficiencies to the business. Right. When I see cabinets full of paper, I think I start to get itchy. Uh-huh. Because you see better ways of doing Absolutely. things. Absolutely. There should, I mean, there's so many digital solutions out there. It seems silly. When you were, when you were a kid, what kind of sports did you play? <laughs> uh, I played basketball. Uh-huh. Were you any good at it? The uh before the basketball was no, kind of the tip. Very good no, I was not very so good. So what, what? 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 I was what, tall. What were you? What, so what were you good at as a kid? I was good at video games. How very young, very good at video? How games. How young were you when you were good at video games? 
I would say when I was sneaking down into my parents' basement, figuring out how to hook up the TV to the Atari 2600 and playing those old games. Wow. So I'm, I'm, so you have a natural feel for hardware and software? Yes. Uh-huh. So I think how, it was three or four when I was doing that. Uh-huh. How, how, how's that affect? How's that uh, you're having that feel for hardware and software had a positive effect on your business career? I think it's because it's, it's something that's not taught in school. I always wanted to take that that side of me, the software, the hardware, and apply it to something else. And I was always good with numbers and just understanding the concepts of math. So I brought the technology into the accounting and I brought it way too early as an earlier career uh, of mine that well, failed. Well, nonetheless, <laughs> so you, were, you were a little bit early on, but it sounds to me like, you know, you're really built for your job. This job really fills you. It really is meaningful to you. Am I correct about that? Yes. Everything that I've, I think I've done, I think the reason I've stayed so long in the positions that I have is because whenever I institute something, I want to see it succeed so bad that I would rather stick around in a difficult environment than actually leave my baby. So you're I persistent created. and you have vision and you like completion. Yes. I want uh-huh. to see it succeed. I can't just do it and leave it. Uh-huh. And what else are you thinking? Brett, you mentioned earlier that you have an older brother. Sometimes younger siblings feel in a, feel like they're in an older sibling's shadow, and sometimes this can build animosity in the family. Um, but your brother is one of your biggest advocates. Tell us more about that, and how does that make you feel? When I was a really young kid, my parents, as I was saying before, it was stifling. Um, it was the environment. It's how they grew up, too. Um, but it's, it's very much a, you know, don't, don't talk about your grades. You know, it'll hurt your brother's feelings. Uh, it was just always things like that. Like, don't talk about this. Don't talk about that. And then my brother would do something and he would quit. So as I was growing up, <laughs> that's the exact opposite of what I did. Even if I didn't enjoy it, I would do it until I was very good at it. And, um, there were a lot of situations where that came up and I think that really jump-started everything really well and then so i understand you know we understand that practice that you believe practice makes perfect and that you're also persistent um but you know it sounds to me like also you mentioned that your mom and dad told you not to rub some of your successes in your brother's face yes uh and then and then you found out one day something what did you find out one day uh actually one of my best or one of my brother's best friends actually came up to me and uh, i i made some off comment about you know, sort of the same topic, and he brought up how my brother wouldn't shut up about me. How young? How, how old? Or how young were you when that happened? Around seventeen. And you found out from your friend, from your brother's friend, that your brother was saying what about you? Positive things and just bragging about me. Were you surprised? Uh, yes. How'd that make you feel? It made me feel like everything that I've been doing and thinking that was wrong and stifling. Actually, I was doing the right thing the whole time, and what, that I what wasn't are you absolutely about? nuts. What do you mean? Well, I mean, when, you, when you're pushed down so hard, you wonder if you're nuts or everybody else around you is nuts. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I refuse to believe that it, success was nuts. So your brother actually appreciated your reality. Yes. Uh-huh. Whereas I was fighting it the entire time. Uh-huh. But he understood what you were really going through. Yes. And he understood it, but you were able to persist through it. Correct. Uh-huh. So he really appreciated your persistence. Absolutely. What do your clients appreciate about you? I think they, it, well, you like to lead in on there. Uh, don't I? Yeah, uh, I think they, I don't like finishing or not finishing things. I like to meet deadlines. I will stay until it's so done. So you think about it, you know, you're bringing innovation to the forefront. You're the kind of guy that can drive innovation. So it's not just, you know, it's not just incremental steps that you're looking to get completed, but you're looking, you have a vision. You're looking to complete the vision. Correct. And I always seem to have another vision on the horizon. Every time something happens, I'm like, okay, now what? But you then something sleep? comes up. Do you ever sleep? You wouldn't think so, but I sleep like a rock. Uh-huh. Yeah. What do you dream about? I have nightmares. Uh-huh. <laughs> what, what's, what's the website address of this organization known as uh, Hertz Backing Company? Uh, it's Hertzback.com. It's Hertz like the car company and Bach like the Let me have a Why don't you spell it out for me? H-E-R-T-Z-B-A-C-H.com. Let me have that one more time. H-E-R-T-Z-B-A-C-H dot com, Hertzback dot com. We've been speaking with Brett Carr, partner at Hertzback and Company here on Executive Leaders Radio. We'll be back in a moment right after this break. And your name is? Tia Flick. And Tia, what, what organization are you with? Wearaware. And uh, what is Wearaware? What do you guys do? 
We're a digital agency. Mm -hmm. And what's your specialty in the agency? I focus on search and analytics. Search and analytics. What are you talking about? What do you mean? So that's uh, how you show up organically at Google. Uh -huh. uh, it's pay-per-click. Uh, mm -hmm. And then how to measure all of that. Now, there's only certain, certain kinds of businesses that should be worrying about that stuff, right? Nope. Everyone should be worrying about it. Tell us a little bit about what types of clients and what kinds of industries you've been able to help. We work across a broad range of industries. Um, so we work with everyone, local companies mm -hmm. who might do air conditioning and HVAC mm -hmm. to really large companies that you might have heard of like Pitney Bowes. Mm -hmm. so, and you're helping these folks, your specialty in the firm is helping them with a digital strategy? Yes. So I, I specifically focus on uh, all their search needs. Mm -hmm. what, 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 what do you like about that gig? Well, the, the industry is moving at a lightning fast speed, mm -hmm. and I love being able to help our clients guide through that chaos that's happening. So you come up with creative ideas and present these ideas to them regarding how to get them results from search and all that other kinds of stuff. That's correct. And you got to keep involved with them because there's so many things changing all the time, it sounds like. Yes, constantly. Hmm. Doesn't that frighten you, all that change? Oh, I think it's so exciting. Mm -hmm. um, it's, I, I love mm -hmm. the constant pace of change. What's the website address for the organization? It's wearaware.com. Let me have that again. Wearaware.com, W-H-E-R-E-O-W-A-R-E.com. We've been speaking with your name again is? Tia Flick. And this has been your business spotlight. I'm Tina Leone. I'm the CEO of the Boston Business Improvement District. And what is the Boston Business Improvement District? We work to attract, support, and connect the most compelling, creative, and ambitious minds in our region. Boston is known as an epicenter for research and discovery. Uh, some of the greatest things that are invented, such as the MRI, the barcode, the internet, the first satellite, all were either conceived, funded, or developed by organizations here in Boston. How, how old is this organization? We're just, just shy of six years old. How long have you been there? How long have you been uh, there? Almost six years as well. Did you found this organization? Yes, I, I am the founding CEO. Why did you do that? Well, they, they, the organization actually came about uh, by the commercial property owners in why, Boston. Why, why, why does it turn you on? Why does your gig turn you on? <laughs> people. I mean, we the, the, the ability to connect people and then who knows the next group great idea is going to result from that. We have incredible minds in the Washington, D.C. area, and Boston is, as I said, the epicenter for the smartest people in this area. So your job, you're like the master connector. I feel like the mayor of, of Boston, the mayor of innovation, because that's uh -huh. what's happening. So your idea, your, th your thought is that in order to create more stuff, in order to launch more businesses, in order to cause more good, it's a matter of connecting exactly. the right people. Exactly. And you like being in the middle of all that I, stuff. Oh, we love it. We love it. And simple things, just connecting people through events through art, uh, through a happy hour. Mm -hmm. You don't know what's going to come out of that. Mm -hmm. That's what's exciting. So it's all about the people. And you're the uh, you're the founder of this organization. Is this a nine-to-five kind of job oh, for you? hell no. It's a lot longer uh -huh. than that, baby. So do you have to, you have to work the weekends and stuff yeah, like that? Yeah, sure, sure. Let me have the website address of this sure, organization. Sure, it's balsambid.com, and, and you can download Boston Connect mobile app. Let me have uh, let me have that website address one more Balsambid. time. Balsambid.com. It's B-A, give me the spelling on that. B-A-L-L-S-T-O-N-B-I-D.com. Excellent. Your name again is? Tina Leone. And the name of the organization? Is the Balsam Business Improvement District. And this has been your business spotlight back in a moment. Want help building your business with help from the show's CEOs? Our CEOs can help you uncover more opportunities, grow your sales, connect you, help you raise money. All the big issues because our CEOs have been there and done that. Succeeding in creating millions of jobs and earning millions of dollars. And some are available to advise you. Now, email mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. That's mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. The same CEOs you've heard on this show for 10 years may be willing to help you build your business, uncover new opportunities, grow your sales, connect you, help you raise money, all the big issues, because our CEOs have been there and done that. Succeeding in creating millions of jobs and earning millions of dollars. Some of the CEOs who have appeared on our shows over the last 10 years may be willing to help you grow, assuming you've ser you're serious about your success, serious about your own success, because it all starts with the leader. If you're serious about creating your own successful business or are truly committed to putting your nose to the grindstone and doing whatever it takes to make your business successful, we may be able to match you with successful CEOs who have created millions of jobs and earned millions of dollars to help you create your success. 
We've established unique relationships with a unique universe of over 7,000 CEOs who have created substantial wealth for their companies, their teams, and themselves. These women and men get the build in their blood and often continue to start and build businesses even after they've created substantial wealth for themselves because they love the challenge of building a business. Perhaps we can present you and your business to some of these CEOs to gain their interest in helping you. Now, email mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. That's mentors at executiveleadersradio.com to hopefully match you with some of the CEOs we've had on the show for the last 10 years. Mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. We're back. You're listening to Executive Leaders Radio. This is your host, Herb Cohn. We'd like to introduce David Chonka, partner at Redgrave LLP. David, what is Redgrave LLP? What are you guys doing? Uh, Redgrave LLP is a small boutique information law firm, specializes and does nothing but information law, privacy, data security, e-discovery, information governance. Uh-huh. Where are you from originally? Fremont, Nebraska. And uh, how many brothers and sisters? Two older sisters. And where are you in the pecking order? The youngest. You're the youngest. And how about in terms of your cousins? Uh, youngest right across the board. So was what was it like growing up? Uh, you're the youngest child, the youngest cousin. What was it like growing up uh, as a kid? Youngest child, youngest cousin, only boy in the family. Uh-huh. Uh, lonely. Uh, and uh, uh-huh. so there's a lot of time spent uh, alone in figuring out things. So what, what, were, you, what were you doing with your time? Uh, mostly letting my imagination run wild and uh, thinking about big things. Uh-huh. When, so the, you're letting your imagination. What were you, th- what were you, ima- what were you imagining? What were you thinking about? Well, you know, I grew up in, uh, I was born in 47, mm-hmm. so uh, uh, about this time, it, it, you know, is the age of mm-hmm. Sputnik mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. uh, the oh, uh, space so how, program. How does this imagining help your practice of law? What's a, what's the a connection there? Oh, I think it has, uh, frankly, everything to do with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, law is about mm-hmm. taking ambiguous situations oh. and trying to apply them, find practical solutions, and? and looking over the horizon. And? David, what brought you to Redgrave LLP? Um, it's a long-term relationship with Jonathan Redgrave. How'd you guys meet? Uh, we were on opposite sides of the table. I was at the Federal Trade Commission, and he was uh, representing. And you the other told side. us that you guys walked out of the room, even though you were on opposite sides of the fence, and you said something to each other. What was that? Well, actually, uh, not to each other. We said it. I said it to my colleagues, mm-hmm. and that was that Jonathan was the only person in the on the other side of the table that we could trust. Mm-hmm. So even though he was on the other side of the table, you felt like you could trust him, and then years later, you end up working together, huh? We did. Uh, I mm-hmm. wound up, uh, continued to uh, stay in touch mm-hmm. with him Michael? through the years. You mentioned earlier that your father was sick growing up, and you'd been alone uh, a lot of your life. Did you have any major male influences at an early age? Uh, long about 57, so I must have been about 10 years old, my sister met my future uh, brother-in-law. Uh, still my brother-in-law, mm-hmm. and uh, he was like the bigger brother I never had. What kind of influence did he have on you? Uh, a, a huge influence. He was from Connecticut, mm-hmm. and uh, and he liked Broadway plays, and he talked about New York, and he talked about all the things kids from Nebraska never hear of in those wow. days. Wow, Lucinda. Wow. So glad to hear there's some advantages to have mm-hmm. being a baby brother. When you were playing, um, what kind of games did you like to play? Well, a, a lot of the time it was just puzzles. Jigsaw puzzles. I was sick a lot too as a kid. I had asthma, and it was before antihistamines and a lot of other things. So time spent in bed and uh, time uh, looking at working on puzzles, figuring mm-hmm. things out. Uh huh. So uh, your brother-in-law infl- taught you about the other side of the world that you had never seen before, and and uh, what, what was what was uh, father? Uh, there was a there was a spiritual influence you had. Yes, uh, th- there was. Uh, there were priests. We were Catholic. I was an. Uh, uh, are Catholic, mm-hmm. and uh, I was an altar boy from early on, mm-hmm. and so I would. Uh, what did uh, you learn from being an altar boy? There's anything to do with law. I, I th- well, Latin for starters, mm-hmm. because this was the what early else? days of the uh, mm-hmm. of the uh, old days of the what church. Um, but the uh, you know, I think the relationships, the idea of trust, the idea of dependability, the idea of honesty, interesting, the John? idea of service. John? Was was there an event that? happened to you as a child that stood out that affects you today i'm uh, I, 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 over a lifetime it's, it's a journey there are a lot of things that uh, that happen and uh i you know i'd be hard pressed to think of any one mm-hmm. thing other than the fact that my father was ill well, right. Right. well you said nebraska you're from nebraska what got you out of nebraska were you the first in your family to go to college 
Yes, I, I actually was in the immediate family. Uh, in fact, my uh, if, uh, frankly, there were no expectations about college or anything else. I don't know that I would have gone to college except for the University of Nebraska sent me an application. And uh, I filled it out, sent it in, and wound up in college. And then uh, over time, I wound up. Uh, what, what was it about law that you found attractive? I, I fell in love and became fascinated with it probably in 1964 during the election. What was it about it? What was it about law? I don't know. The idea of doing things, the idea of, uh, of being able to help people and guide them. What do you mean by helping people? What are you talking about? Well, if people have, uh, at least at that time, my thinking was that if you had problems, if you had legal issues, if you needed an answer to a difficult question and wanted to make sure you did it right, then you would talk to a lawyer to get it done. So you felt that you would develop, you would be, you would be important, you would develop confidence, you would uh, be of service to people? What was that all about? I think that's exactly right. The idea of being a resource for people to come to and to talk to and advise uh, always held a great deal of attraction to me. Uh-huh, and you feel you do that as, a, as an attorney? I do. Uh-huh, tell us more about that, what do you mean? Well, I have, uh, uh, I, you know, an attorney is a, is, is a career. It's, it's something you do over a lifetime. And uh, eventually you build credibility and people know that they can rely on you and they start asking for your advice and you give them. And if the advice works and they like it, then they'll come back and ask again. And wait a minute, wait, wait, wait. You're telling me you have clients, even though law tends to be transactional, where you like an accountant, you need them all, all, you know, year after year after year, a law t tends to be uh, episodic. You're telling me that people come back to you over and over again for law? Well, I should clarify here that back up a little bit with, uh, you know, I had for many years I had a captive client. I spent 40 years in the federal government, mm -hmm. 44 years mm -hmm. in the federal government, and I was at the Federal Trade Commission, mm -hmm. ultimately. So you're telling me you, keep cli you get clients and you keep clients over a long period of time? Yes, within mm -hmm. certainly within the agency you did. Certain mm -hmm. uh, people would come to you, ask. I imagine that at is... At Redgrave, is that the way it happens? Uh, that is the way I want it to happen. I've only mm -hmm. been at Redgrave since May. Mm -hmm. oh, interesting. And what's the best part of your day? Uh, best part of my day uh, is uh, day in, day out people. Mm -hmm. I, I love seeing people. I love being with people. I love talking to them. Mm -hmm. and, uh, uh, it's about it the relationships. It's all important. about relationships. What's the website address of this organization? I'm sorry? What's the website of this organization? Uh, RedgraveLLP.com. We've been speaking com. with David Chanka, partner of Redgrave LLP here on Executive Leaders Radio. We've also had the opportunity of speaking with Lucinda Crabtree, owner of Crabtree & Company, Rahul Jindal, founder and CEO of FedSync, Brett Carr, partner of Hertzback and Company, and again, most recently, David Shanka, partner of Redgrave LLP. I'd like to thank my co-hosts, including John Yetman, Association for Enterprise Growth, Mike Rossnell, the Arlington Chamber of Commerce, Lucinda Crabtree, Crabtree and Company, Brett Carr, Hertzback and Company, and Ann Kepke from Redgrave, all that have been guests and also co-hosts here on Executive Leaders Radio. Uh, let's do a couple of quick website addresses. Website address for the Arlington Chamber of Commerce. Arlingtonchamber.org. Let me have that one more time. Arlingtonchamber.org. Arlingtonchamber.org. All right. Thank you for joining us today, and do have a nice day. Don't forget to visit our website, by the way. It's executiveleadersradio.com. That's executiveleadersradio.com. To learn more about our executive leaders, have a nice day. Bye-bye. Thank you for tuning in. You've been listening to Executive Leaders Radio, the region's premier radio show highlighting local executive leaders. We hope you've enjoyed the show here on 1500 AM. You can learn more about Executive Leaders Radio by visiting executiveleadersradio.com or tune in next time right here on 1500 AM. That's executiveleadersradio.com.